This morning as we just prepare for communion, I want to just pick up on something that we briefly mentioned back in 2019, if you were with us. Uh, we were going through a series in Isaiah. And as we were going through chapter 59 of that, we took a sidestep for a moment. And on that morning, we spoke about the importance of confession. I don't know if you remember, but something of that morning resonated with many of us. I think it was perhaps because we recognised that within our own faith tradition, perhaps we are quick in the process of confessing our sins and seeking forgiveness. Perhaps for some of us, we skip that process of a more kind of in-depth self-examination of our lives and in so doing we miss out on the benefit that that brings uh, of just lingering at the cross of truly examining our lives truly handing things over to God and then the blessing of just receiving his forgiveness and his cleansing what I mean by that well I wonder how you prepared for communion this morning you knew it was communion so presumably you've been to the shops you've got some bread and wine and that is to hand for later but did your preparation go further than that have you spiritually prepared yourself for communion this morning I suspect for many of us and I'm including myself with you in this that often when we come to church, sometimes the first time we can begin thinking about communion uh, can be at the end of a service. When whoever is leading the service just invites us uh, to move into a time of communion, invites us for a moment of stillness and silence to examine our hearts before God and just to confess anything before him in preparation for taking the bread and the wine. And so we spend a few moments in silence, not too long because often many of us are intimidated by that silence. And then we take the bread and the wine and we go through communion and then we move on. I'm generalising a bit. And of course we've had some meaningful times around the Lord's table. And hopefully we're taking time daily to confess our sins and hopefully we do prepare to come to church. But did you know that in other spiritual traditions like the Orthodox Church, you are encouraged before taking the bread and the wine to fast, at least from the night before, sometimes for two or three days prior to taking the bread and the wine, in order to spend time examining your life in God's presence, in order to truly come to that communion service in a prayerful, reflective mood. Many Orthodox Christians will not just physically fast from food, but they'll also fast from different forms of entertainment the night before. Uh, they're going to refrain from going out in the town and going to a party, or they'll refrain from watching television or other things that might distract them from drawing near to God in order to spiritually prepare to take communion. And on top of that, uh, Orthodox Christians 
are often counselled that during services where communion is taken, they should arrive early for that service. They should refrain from chatting to people as they come in and just head to the sanctuary and just spend some time in quietness and in stillness and in prayer before the service in order to spiritually prepare. And get this, often they are counselled that if they arrive late for church that morning, after the service has started, that they should probably refrain from taking communion because there is a danger that they have been rushing about that morning and will not therefore be properly spiritually prepared to take communion. Or that their lateness indicates that the communion service was not actually their main priority that day. Otherwise they would have got up early and made the effort to be at church early to prepare spiritually. I wonder how many of us at Finlay would miss out on communion if we were only allowed to take it if we had arrived early prior to 11am. Now I'm not suggesting that we go from one extreme to another. Of course we live by grace and we never adopt a kind of judgmental attitude towards one another or a legalistic approach because we just don't know what's happening in one another's lives on any given day or any given morning. And the communion table speaks of grace. But, but, sometimes it can be helpful just to hold up a spiritual mirror to our lives and our practices and say, is there something I can learn this morning? Is there a helpful change that I could make in my spiritual practice which actually would be beneficial for my spiritual walk? How do I prepare myself within our context? Have I prepared in any shape or form? Is there maybe something that is helpful for me to think about this morning? Over the last few weeks, as we've been talking about spiritual practices, we've actually really been talking about slowing down and making time and space to be with God in his presence and not hurrying away again. Finding ways to more deeply engage with God. I'm reminded in the Old Testament and within the Jewish faith that preparation and cleansing were key before coming into God's presence. People prepared themselves. And you know, even as the people were going up to the temple, the Psalms record that en route they would be worshipping, often singing to one another about their joy of going to the house of the Lord. And then they would enter into the gates of the city and then up and through the gates of the temple into the courts. And they would enter those gates and those courts with thanksgiving in their hearts. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And I think about the Sabbath and the way it was set up. When all was stripped away and the people were just given space to prepare to come to the house of the Lord. That was really their sole focus for that day. 
What about your Sabbath? How do you prepare? When you're heading to church or preparing to gather together online, are you worshipping and praising God in anticipation and saying, Hallelujah! It's Sunday. I get to meet with the Lord and my brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, happy day. What a wonderful day this is. Is that you? We think about the preparation of those worshippers in the Old Testament. And often they would be bringing sacrifices with them. That required preparation too. As they would prepare something to bring into God's presence. Both as a sacrifice and a, a recognition of their need for salvation. But also as an act of worship before God. Of course we come as living sacrifices but are there other things that we are to bring into the presence of God? We think of those who brought the first fruits of what they've been given and blessed by God to give back to him. What does that look like in this digital COVID time? What are we using our resources for? How are we bringing them to God in our tithes and our gifts and our offerings? And then there were the priests, those who had to intercede on behalf of the people and represent them. They had to go through this whole other level of preparation and cleansing and ritual washings. And as they enter the temple, passing by the bronze laver, there they would cleanse their hands and ask God to purify their hearts. Symbolic of their attitudes and actions being clean and pure before God. And we desire that as well, clean hands and pure hearts. And that struck me during the week and I just prayed that. This morning, just before bringing this word. Right throughout Leviticus and right throughout the Old Testament, we see the priests preparing to come into the presence of God. And I just thought that was helpful this morning. How do we prepare? Of course, because of Jesus, because of the cross, we can boldly enter into the presence of God in a way that those in the Old Testament could not. What a gift that is. We come by faith. We come washed in the blood of Jesus, knowing that it is by grace that we can enter. And yet we are wise to prepare ourselves to stand in God's holy presence. In fact, maybe if we all spent a bit more time in preparation, we would experience more of the presence of God. You know, we spend so much time in life and preparation for different things. I wonder how you are preparing today for the coming week of work, or for university or for school. I wonder what preparations you're making in other aspects of your life, your social life, your family life. Very simply this morning, I just offer you this thought. What preparation could be part of your spiritual life how in future weeks could you prepare for corporate worship might there be a spiritual benefit in doing so might God do a deeper work in your life if you were to prepare before coming into his presence well this morning as we come to communion our focus, I guess, is on a specific form of 
preparation. A form of self-examination and cleansing. And actually that deeper significant spiritual practice of being told in God's word that we are to die to ourselves daily. That we are to die to sin daily. In order that God would come and do a deeper work in our lives. To make us more Christ-like. That his glory might be revealed in and through us. And that's what we desire, isn't it? That we might decrease and that he might increase. That is the goal really of any spiritual practice. And certainly it is the goal of self-examination and confession and repentance and cleansing. And just as we wash ourselves physically daily, so we need to spiritually cleanse ourselves each day. But there are also periods where it's helpful just to go through a kind of deep clean. You know, something that happens in our house uh, from time to time is that Beth and Andrew will be asked to tidy their bedrooms. And if you're a young person watching today, you can relate to this. And when that call goes out from your parents, uh, there can be different approaches to it, can't there? The first approach involves finding a suitable place to hide everything. Out of sight, out of mind. Find a drawer, find a cupboard to sweep everything up and dump it in. Job's a good one, no one will ever notice. Approach number two involves creating piles of things around the bedroom so it looks as if you have tidied up. But actually all that's happened is that the mess that was spread up has now been collated into a certain part of the bedroom, often resembling a Monroe-like shape, a kind of mountain of stuff in the corner. And perhaps you take a blanket and you throw it over it to cover it up as a finishing touch. These two approaches on the surface look good at first glance, but you know that it only takes a moment or two for your parents to work out that nothing has really been tidied or cleaned properly. Approach three actually involves some hard work. It's much less popular and much more time consuming. And it involves sorting through things, throwing things out, tidying away and doing a deep clean and maybe even hoovering or dusting. And we know that this approach takes lots of time, but it does yield better results. And it means that the cleanliness that is achieved will last longer. Yes, the mess might reappear again. That's just natural if you're living life. But for a short period of time, there is order again. That's a bit like what we're talking about this morning. Not in terms of rooms, but in terms of our spiritual lives. Time and preparation and self-examination and confession is this spiritual practice to restore order within our souls, to welcome afresh Jesus to cleanse us and to take his work on the cross and apply it to our lives. Will we sin again? Yes. Will there be mess again? Yes. Will we have to confess again and clean up our lives again? Yes. But for a period of time, our lives are reset and we create a space where God delights to dwell. And again, that's what it's about, experiencing more fully the presence 
of God. I just want to encourage you this morning. Because when we think about self-examination, uh, there's this wrong road that we can go down. There can be this unhealthy way of thinking about examining our lives. One that leads to us thinking that we're a failure and failing at everything. That we're a useless Christian and spiritually we're worth nothing in God's sight. But that's not what we are talking about this morning. What are we talking about this morning? Well, what we're talking about this morning is a liberating experience. An experience that should bring us joy and new life and a lightness in our souls and a freedom in our souls. And that is why it's so important when we talk about this spiritual practice that we reframe it in such a way that suddenly it changes our whole concept of preparation and self-examination and confession and repentance in a way that will bring us joy. And what makes that difference? Well, the difference comes that we examine ourselves in light of Jesus and in light of the gospel. And that invites hope and encouragement into the process. And that's where you all say this morning, Amen. You see, we learn that we are not changed by just looking at ourselves, but by looking first at Jesus and then ourselves. Robert Murray McShane famously said, For every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. You see, looking at Jesus and focusing on the gospel invites Christ into that process of examination. And the amazing thing is that God knows the worst about you already. But he still loves you. And Psalm 103 verse 10 reminds us that he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. And we're told in scripture in 1 John that he promises that if we confess our sins, he will forgive us and cleanse us. And it's when we become secure in that knowledge that we feel confident in coming before him and confessing. The wonderful thing is that he desires to do a deeper work in our lives. Christ does not condemn us and chain us to our past. He forgives us and he calls us into a new future in him. We discover by looking at Jesus just how precious and honoured we are in God's sight. And we discover the glory of our new identity in him. And the cross calls us to put to death our old self. And the resurrection invites us to embrace new life in Christ. So this morning we come. We reflect on our life and determine to ask Jesus to highlight within us those areas that need change. Those areas that need healing. And we come and we examine our past thoughts and our deeds we measure them against the example set by Jesus Christ. And then we ask for his power to put to death anything that is not of him. And in that process we ask Christ to forgive us, to guide us, to reveal his will for our life and empower us to make the change. And then we receive his love afresh and his forgiveness afresh and his mercy afresh and we marvel and we celebrate and the grace that is on offer.
So this is an opportunity for a fresh start again this week. For our relationship with God to be reset and that is exciting. It's also about restoring our relationships with one another. Scripture calls us to do that. And we confess that there are times that we are out of relationship with one another. That there might be times that we need to seek forgiveness from one another. Apologise to one another. That's the reason why preparation is also important. Because it gives us time if God highlights to us stuff. Things that are out of kilter with one another. That we have time to put them right before coming to communion. Matthew 5.23 reminds us that uh, walls are built between us sometimes. And when that happens, we need to make an attempt to be reconciled with that other person. Uh, And to do that before we come to bear gifts at the altar. We must make that attempt to overcome things that separate us from others. Because these things only serve to separate us from God as well. What is it we say in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's that kind of dual focus. Augustine said that in failing to confess, we don't hide our sins from God. We just hide ourselves from the opportunity of receiving God's forgiveness. Spurgeon says it doesn't spoil your happiness to confess your sin. The lack of happiness comes in not making the confession. And R.C. Sproul says that our entire spiritual pilgrimage as Christians should be characterised by confession and repentance. And so as we come to communion this morning, 1 Corinthians 11.28 says this, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread, and drink from the cup. The pattern of the cross and resurrection should shape our daily spiritual lives. The Puritans were a group that knew about that. Their daily spiritual life was built on a pattern of each day just emptying themselves of all that was not of God in preparation daily to be asking God to fill them afresh with his power and his grace. Someone said this, each morning Puritans' families confessed their sin and received God's mercy afresh. They prepared for Sunday worship and for communion with a time of self-examination, often on the Saturday evening. They confessed their sin and need and readiness to receive grace and power from God. They repeatedly went through a kind of reconversion, coming to an end of oneself and receiving new spiritual life through Christ. The cross and resurrection did not just impact their lives on the day they came to faith. It shaped their spiritual lives daily.